0: This is the Montana Gallery Podcast. I'm Tyler Murphy. Today on the show, we have my friend and fellow gallery owner, Kristen Tees.
1: So, you know, there's solutions, but oh my gosh, there's always problems that come up. Yeah. You just got to figure it out. And if you're an entrepreneur, I don't take no for an answer. Yeah. Or failure's not an option, it's really the other.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, if you want you can always be a poor me, and that's why I wrote right. this book. Or you can say, well, this is a, this is a way to learn from my mistakes, yep. and that's what I always do. I learn from my mistakes, and i made plenty
0: of them. Kristen has long represented the work of major artists such as Richard Schmidt, Nancy Guzik, Clyde Aspavig, Carol Guzman, George Carlson, Kathy Anderson, and Daniel Keyes as well as her late husband, Timothy Teese.
1: Well, we started, I started representing Richard's work in 1998, 99 maybe, when we moved to Vermont, which really floored me, because he was with two other big galleries, and one of them was getting older, and the other one he didn't agree with. So one day he called me. He said, "Kristen, do you suppose you'd like to represent my paintings?" It's like, oh my gosh. He did the same thing with the book. He said, "Do you suppose when I when I when he hired me to help him do the book proposal, and then I talked him into doing uh, getting a printer, you know, hiring a printer to print the book." and He just saw the entrepreneurial spirit mm-hmm. within me. I guess. And then he didn't particularly like the guy that was going to distribute the books. So he called me one day and said, Kristen, would you like, do you suppose you'd like to distribute my book for me? Mm-hmm. I had no clue how to do it.
0: Yeah.
1: We figured it out. Yeah. It's like an opportunity comes to you, you don't say, oh no. Yeah.
0: That book was all a prima, everything mm-hmm. I know about painting. Richard Schmid and Kristen published and distributed the book themselves. It sold so well that it was reprinted 13 times. Schmid revised his book and added new insights and images, and thus in 2013, Alla Prima 2* was released. Together and along with other books by Schmid, it serves as an educational cornerstone for countless artists. When I asked Kristen, what has been her favorite aspect of working in the art industry, she began to speak of the friendships she's enjoyed with many artists, but also the collectors she connects them to.
1: He just bought something of Richard's, which was a resale. And he said, he wrote back to me and he said, Kristen, you know, I really like, it was a drawing, and I'll show it to you, I got it on my phone. that Richard had done of a young woman, a young girl. It was a Conti. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. He wrote back to me and he said, you know, I I decided I want to collect more of these. Let me know when Richard has done something 40 years ago. So I'm like, he's the same age as Richard, 82. And I said, "Okay." So something came along. And I wrote to him by email. I didn't call him. He's a doctor. So I never know when he's going to look. Email. You know, I get no answer. And then, I was, I had my computer. On late, normally I don't do it, but something told me to go look at my email. I get an email from his wife. Who said, um, his name was well, I won't say his name. Doctor so and so, um, was having some health health issues, and he passed away on Friday. And it just, it yep. really, like it stunned me, it really yep. did. It was very, um, and then another major, major collector died two years ago. Mm-hmm. His wife came to the show and his wife doesn't want to buy any more paintings because the kids prefer the money.
0: Yep.
1: They don't want her, can you imagine telling your mother don't buy any more art mom, you have enough art. Mm-hmm. If that brings her joy, mm-hmm. they just want the money. Yeah. So that has been something that's been happening. Yeah. So it's sad, but really? but then I found other new collectors. Yeah. Younger, okay. thank God. <laughs> and, that's,
0: and that's what I wanted to get to, is like how, I want to know your, how you're feeling about the future of selling representational art, or just selling really any art in general, it seems that younger younger generations are less um, apt to, to purchase things and are more going towards experiences. I know like well, yeah, even no, in my own funny. life, that's, that's kind, fun of, to hear. Yeah. kind of how I choose to spend my money is more on experiences than, than things, but maybe I'll grow out of that and then well when you're 27
1: <laughs> years old, you want to go out and have fun, yeah. but eventually, I don't know, you know, you may decide you want to get married and if you have a family or whatever, you've got a home, yep. and you look at the walls, now you lucky, you, right. you can fill the house That's with pretty your own great. paintings, but I'm not a painter, yeah. and so I have an ama- if you ever come to Colorado Springs, I have a really beautiful collection, what I did <laughs> I can edit. I yeah, okay, good. What okay, Maybe. please do that. <laughs> I'll tell you later then. I won't that. Okay. Now. But I have a beautiful collection and, and um there's something like the Daniel Keyes When I saw it, I thought, oh my god, there's yeah. a white rose, because he did a painting for me for a show that I had, my first little show that I had in my gallery in Colorado Springs, and it was white roses, and I was Somebody wanted to buy it, and I thought, okay, you know, mm-hmm. it's not mine. When I saw that one, I thought, I have to get this one. You know, there's something about white roses that I just love. Yeah. Have you ever seen Sargent's white roses?
0: Um, it, do you not, have a book I mean, on Sargent? Yeah, I mean, I, well, no, I'm thinking of, that's a different kind of flower. Just just white roses? Yeah, or three in it.
1: white roses on a that he did on it, like a... It looked like a shelf or something. Okay. So, years ago, at the MFA in Boston, Richard, Nancy, actually Clyde and Carol came, all of us went together, and it was unbelievable to see this show. It was... It was stunning. And then we got to see it again, and I think Nancy and Richard and Tim and I went together, and... Nancy was so inspired that she did a couple of paintings of white roses. That were I sold them immediately. Yeah. Cause it, but she was inspired by Sargent, and then, but who was Sargent inspired by? Mm-hmm. And that is what, to me, is okay. To answer your question, I believe that people will always be inspired by other creative people because it, to me, art definitely touches your soul. Mm-hmm. So if you're a creative person and you see something that's inspiring, and you can you have that ability to draw it, yeah, you're gonna want to paint it. At least that's yeah. my hope. I don't know. Yep. you know, you're the you're more the future. You know, it's different generation, but
0: yeah, I think over the years
1: you watch the lineage, and to me, there's more people painting representational than ever yep. since Richard came out with his book because that knowledge was lost. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that it glass. You know, I don't
0: yeah. know. Good <laughs> art does seem to, Now that you mention it, it does. I'm, as you were talking about that, I'm thinking of just some of my friends who are musicians who probably more than any other thing in my life, that's been what's inspiring to me lately is Music? just some, well, just some local friends who have perfected their, their craft in that way. And I get to go in and enjoy Mm-hmm. What they're doing, mm-hmm. and then I that it makes me go, okay. What can I bring to the table? You know, from an artistic standpoint, what what do I have to offer the world? Um, you know, because because what they're offering is so awesome, and I, you know, so that is well, what do you love doing the most? Well, so I would say my paintings are they're they're okay. But I think what I probably am best at or what I seem to have a talent for is maybe being more of like a host. So Mm -hmm. creating, I guess it's more, I'm more driven by projects and how can I, um, you know, how can we work together as a team? Yeah, bring people together. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's that's a talent. Yeah.
0: And so, and then I, you know, I keep on working at painting and, and doing that, but I'm not really interested anymore in, like, spending a lot of time by myself painting. If, if I'm going to paint something, I want to... Um, I closed down for the last Art Walk. We closed down and my friend Ken, Yaris, and, and Richie came down and we just all painted in here for the week. Mm-hmm. We closed off the whole world, drank a lot of beer and painted a lot of things well, and then it opened up and sure. those, those paintings that I created that I feel like are... Some of the best ones that I've made in a long time. Because you're in a group. Yeah.
1: Well, what about doing workshops?
0: Have you ever thought teaching workshops or or no 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 hosting take, workshops? Oh like yeah, you, you've done that, haven't <laughs> you, with Daniel? Or yeah, I've done two with Daniel. Um, yep, I I love that. And and we'll try and then to you can paint more. along
1: with him, like my friend mm-hmm. Cheryl. You know that when you went out to yeah. Uh, So, yeah, that's a great way to to get together with people. I'm actually going to go to the planer. what's it called, Planers Convention in San Diego, just because I like California and Mm -hmm. my birthday's in April, I'll give myself a birthday gift. So I'm going to go there because I'm going to see uh, Rosemary, Mm -hmm. Brushes, and Simi, who are Mm -hmm. dear friends, I love them, as well as Kathy Anderson and Stephanie. So I'll get to see my girlfriends, that's why I'm going. Yeah. I'm not going to take the course, I'm going to probably photograph it and write right a Yeah. Or just be around other, it's like when creative people, I think we are different than bankers. Mm-hmm. No offense to bankers, they're essential, but we have a different sensitivity, or I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but. Most of my friends really are creative beings. Mm-hmm. My closest friends are Richard and Nancy, and and then um, well, those two are my my closest. I'm close to Stephanie and two, you know, but yep. there's a certain symbiotic when you, when you work together with people and you have a project that comes out really well and you see it grow it's yeah. so exciting. Yeah. You know, so this is like a new new chapter in a way where I'm putting myself out there cuz Richard's 82 now. He's working I believe on another book. I don't know cuz Nancy does. He's not allowed. She's not allowed in his studio and she he's not allowed in her studio <laughs> without permission. Okay. So, I said, "What's he working on?" I don't know. Really? You know, it's interesting. Yeah. But that's how that's how they yeah. keep their space private. It's important yeah. when you're a creative being to make sure, to me, how that is perfected before you put it out there. Yeah. Especially when you get up there like that. Yeah. Especially Richard.
0: Recently, in October of 2016, Kristen hosted in Denver with Gallery 1261, a retrospective show honoring the work and art of Richard Schmidt, The show took months of planning and coordinating. Hundreds of artists, collectors, and admirers of Richard's work converged on the Mile High City for this multi-day celebration. The day of the opening was preceded with a luncheon, guest speakers, and a panel of artists, including Kwang Ho, Scott Burdick, Kathy Anderson, Judy Stack and Daniel Keyes they discussed Richard's influence on their work I was asking some friends <coughs> leading up to knowing that you'd be here uh, if they had any uh, any questions that they wanted me to yeah. ask you and yeah. Ken and Richie um, or my friends from Kalispell they wanted to know they they thought boy that had to have been really stressful and they they kind of wonder what are your strategies for dealing with stress in life.
1: <laughs> Meditating.
0: Meditating. Do you do that every day? What does that look I like? I have for
1: years. In the morning yeah. or? Um, I do in the morning, and I did TM long, long time ago. Kind of when I first started. That's how I met Tim. Okay. We met at a TM course. Oh, years okay. ago. Yeah. And then, um, I just. I'll just say it like this, I think it's easier to not necessarily follow a, you know, a particular path, you know, where it was just like, if I go out in nature, that's where I can just kind of be in nature and meditate by being out in nature. And that's what I love. I mean, I can go and look at the, the clouds or the trees or just take a walk, and I got so many okay. ideas. And for example, I'm writing another book, not one about Richard, it's a workbook on marketing. Okay. I got the whole thing. I felt like I downloaded the whole thing oh, really? while that? I was away. Yeah. I didn't intend to. I knew that I wanted to do it, but I figured I'd go away, relax, come back, and just walking and sitting. My friends have this beautiful property, and it was just Outside in nature.
0: Yeah.
1: Even just, it just being near, yeah, a lot of it did. I mean, not all of it, but mm-hmm. a lot of it. So, yeah, meditating helps with stress for me. Yeah. I, I grew up, um, well, I went to FIT in New York. Okay. So, that's a stressful city. Mm-hmm. And so, that's when I first learned how to meditate. And it it has allowed me to become um, calm enough to receive. And I don't, I don't get so worried. Like, I'm a little nervous doing this, but not that nervous.
0: Yeah. What's, uh, I don't know what FIT is. Oh, Fashion Institute of Technology. Okay.
1: I was a clothing designer before okay. I became, uh, decided to do publicity.
0: Okay. <clears throat> How old were you when you went to FIT?
1: 19. I went right out of high school.
0: And where did you grow up?
1: <clears throat> I was born in Utah. And my mother was a singer in the big band era, That's right, and right she moved that. me to New York when I was a little girl. And she would take, and she loved art. She mm-hmm. that was her. She was a singer, but she was a. She I am I, not going to say she was one iota of talent for drawing and stuff, but she loved to do watercolor. Okay. And so she would take me to the Metropolitan Museum of Art every weekend. That's what we did, and it was. I mean, I grew up with art, mm-hmm. so it was, I loved it, and then I wanted to... How old were you at
0: that point? When you in New York? Moved to, yeah, moved to New York. Um,
1: well, I kind of lived in Utah and in New York. Okay. Um, my real father, I don't know if you read my book, mm-hmm. was killed in an airplane crash mm-hmm. when I was, so my mom was traveling around, so she dropped me back with my grandparents, so I was... Kind of raised by my grandparents okay. also in in uh, Ogden, Utah for okay. a long time. I stayed there, and then when she got a job working in New York, um, where she didn't have to travel, then she brought me, and then I went to private school. I was raised so differently than my cousins, that all live in you know Driggs, Idaho, and and they're all expert skiers and fishermen. I was like, I don't even know how to ski. I don't want to think about art. And yeah. <laughs> but my cousins all came to see me. I don't know if you saw them. My cousin Gene and his and his wife Peggy and my other girl cousin came
0: to, to, the, to the show. Research. They're on my
1: blog. their pictures, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean that was amazing because they they go from Salt Lake to Irwin, Idaho, mm-hmm. where they go fishing. They go from Irwin, Idaho, to Salt Lake City, and the only place they really ever go. For is is Hawaii because if mm-hmm. I, you know, so we don't see each other that often. But they were they're all like ex- mm-hmm. expert skiers. So I was like, I don't know, <laughs> 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 I'm not <laughs> at all. But oh well. So, um, but you I don't regret it. You yeah. know, because it made me, it made me be an entrepreneur. I think because mm-hmm. I just, but I've always been one. You know, I've never. I'm an only child, so you learn, you learn things yourself. Mm-hmm. Are you, you have brothers and sisters? I have and an assistant? older
0: brother, but yeah, everybody in my family, all, my mom and my dad and my stepdad and my aunt and my uncle, everybody is entrepreneurs, so we're all, I like to sort of joke that we're all too proud to go work for anybody else.
1: And You're absolutely right. Yeah. And I think it has to do with the fact that we're westerners. Mhm. I really do. I mean, did your were your family pioneers when they came out here or Yeah, I guess so. Cuz mine were they came they they were Mormon and they came across. Okay. The early ones. And then my mother's father's two brothers were from Denmark. They came from Denmark. My family okay. name is her family name is Jensen. They came from Denmark. They bought horses and they rode across country from wherever they landed in New York, was of New York, whatever. They rode across country rather than take a train or anything else on horseback. Yeah. T- Can you imagine T-Town. to to Idaho? Idaho. My <laughs> mother was born in the oldest town in Idaho, which is, um, oh God, I forgot the name of it, but the oldest town in Idaho. That's crazy. <laughs> so I think it has to do because people in New York, they don't know how to live without being in a city, and I love being in a country. Mm-hmm. Even though I miss city, the culture, I just love being in nature. Yeah. So, I think it's a Western thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Kristen brings her can-do attitude to everything. And that was true of her even when she first met Timothy Tees the man that swept her off her feet and became the love of her life.
1: I met him um, in 1979, when we
0: were born. I feel so old. Yeah. <laughs> right? I was, born, I was born later. Yeah,
1: let, let's just talk about, we won't talk about age, we'll talk about, because okay. I feel like I just want to be ageless and timeless. Yeah. Um, so I met him at a TM course. And he told me that he wanted to be an artist, and I said, "Well, if you want to be an artist, you have got to paint every day." Because he had his own ad agency; he was—he's always—you know—he was an entrepreneur. So I talked him into going, because we met, and I was living closer to where my mother and stepfather lived in Brooklyn, and he was in Denver with his family near his family. But Tim, if you want to be a painter, you've got to study painting full time. You can't do it
0: mm-hmm.
1: on a Saturday afternoon you mm-hmm. never be successful at it. So we moved. I got my job transferred.
0: How long did you guys date?
1: Four months. Four months? We knew. He asked me to marry him after two weeks. Maybe. Really? Yeah. And...
0: Was that hard for you to say yes?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> no fell in love immediately. Yeah. Was one of those. He was my best friend, yeah. you know. He he was he was only I know he sounds old to you, but <laughs> he was fifty six when he got a brain tumor. Yeah. And then he lived um, well, actually he died at fifty six. So he had two surgeries and then he got tired of it came back again and he, he wasn't able to deal with the chemo and stuff. So at any rate, we both accepted the fact that it was time to say goodbye. And I thought if it was me, I would never ask him to prolong my life. Because, you know, you're not the same anymore. Mm. And so we said goodbye. So that was a major challenge.
0: What year was that?
1: He died in uh, 2010. April these seven years which is like and then I think oh my god what a gift that was in a way Mm -hmm. even though it's only it's taken me a long time to get over it yeah I started a blog Mm -hmm. I've always been in the background sorry my phone's buzzing (laughs) (laughs) always been in the background I've always promoted everybody else and all of a sudden it dawned on me Kristen, you should do that for yourself, and that's what I'm attempting to do with my blog, and then I know so much about marketing, I feel like, and so I want to share that knowledge because it's so important, especially now, when you get together with people, you bring them joy through the arts. How much joy is there in the world? You know, when you're, I mean, you live in cities and you see walking wounded, even in Boulder. It's like, they're not living joy. That's mm-hmm. what we're here, to me, to do. Mm-hmm. So why not share it and help, like you, you know? Like, look what you're doing at your age. I think it's remarkable. You're providing a place for people to come to interact with each other instead of just online, mm-hmm. And texting you know getting people to look at art that's fabulous and then they get to talk about it get to meet each other so you're providing community mm-hmm. which I think is extremely important otherwise you're always alone Yeah. texting or yeah. you know it's like not the same
0: yeah.
1: how's that for an answer I love
0: it I was first introduced to Kristen at the Scottsdale Artist School in Arizona. It was Putney Painters Week 2012, and I, a young artist searching for my way in the world, found the week exhilarating and a little overwhelming. Because all of a sudden, I was having lunch with Daniel Keyes, Ryan Melody, Michelle Dunaway, Anna Rosebane, and so many other great painters whose work I had known and admired through magazines. But I remember meeting Kristen and being taken with her sweet demeanor. She made it a point to get to know me, and she even agreed to meet up for breakfast one morning where she looked at my art, gave me helpful feedback, and encouraged me to continue along the artistic path. She gave me a signed copy of her book, Wisdom and the Dreamer, Achieving Fulfillment in the Arts, and I asked her to read, for this show, a chapter of her choosing from her book.
1: Okay, so the reason I chose to read this one is because it answers your question, number one, how do I write, how how does does my creative... What's your question again? (laughs)
0: Oh, what's your creative process? process. Yeah. okay. What does that I don't
1: like? necessarily have a creative process, mm-hmm. it just comes to me. Yeah. So I sat while Richard Schmidt, Nancy Guzik, and Timothy Tees were painting out in the, the furthest town on Martha's Vineyard, which is called Aquinnah. A man of humanity is one who, in seeking to establish himself, finds a foothold for others and who, desiring attainment for himself, helps others to attain. And I believe that's part of my mission. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting by the sea as waves crash on the glistening shore and seagulls glide high above the ancient cliffs of Aquinnah, which means under the cliffs or land under the hill. Settled by the Native American Wampanoag tribe more than 5,000 years ago, Aquinnah is the most remote part of the peninsula and the least populated town on Martha's Vineyard. As I write, Richard, Nancy, and Timothy are deeply immersed in painting the colors and shapes of the landscape, which is quite a challenge due to the subtle atmospheric conditions and ever-changing light. It is the first week of October, and we are visiting the vineyard to celebrate life, art, and Richard Schmidt's birthday. I love spending hours near the ocean. Undisturbed, my thoughts flow freely like the clouds. I'm filled with gratitude for the many gifts in my life, my incredible relationship with my husband, creativity, art, and especially for our friendship and professional association with Richard Schmidt and Nancy Guzik. For some, however, the relationship between artist and art dealer can be quite challenging. Before owning my own business, I worked in two other art galleries and witnessed struggles between the artists the artists, and the businessmen and women who were driven by the bottom line. I also attended numerous artist parties where discussions invariably turned to blame. Disgruntled by poor sales, some accused their art dealers of taking too much commission when a painting finally sold. They also criticized dealers for choosing to only advertise work by a select group of top selling artists, as well as for their indifference to promoting works by lesser known painters and sculptors. Some artists even belittle the owners and sales personnel for knowing nothing about fine art. Conversely, I listened to perplexed art dealers commiserate because they didn't comprehend why their artists objected to painting another piece like the one that they had just sold. In recent years, the most frequent complaint has been that the artists they nurtured have saved their best works for major museum exhibitions. Some dealers also blame artists for not supplying their salon with enough new paintings and for their ignorance of the art gallery business, and on and on it goes. I'm no expert on relationships, but I've grown weary of these constant complaints. Observing life in the art world from different points of view is confounding, so the words from Joni Mitchell's Timeless Song, Both both Sides Now, best describe my perspective. Joni's words, I've looked at life from both sides now, from up and down, and still somehow, it's life's illusions I recall, I really don't know life at all. I don't have all the answers, but I do know this, art is a business and it's exasperating sometimes but when it works it's one of the most fulfilling ventures in life fine art is a lifetime career and it becomes what one makes of it so playing the blame game is a waste of time like all serious businesses the field of art can be extremely difficult but one can succeed all you need is a professional all you need as a professional artist is a tremendous desire To do what you most love to do painting sculpting etc it just takes determination perseverance and creativity to earn a living from it but a positive light-hearted approach and a few good marketing skills definitely make it possible it also takes some quiet introspection i believe the time has come for us to recognize and acknowledge that many artists live in a state of victimhood so it's essential to banish the starving artist gourmy syndrome once and for all. More of my personal insights on this are covered in the chapter on Introspection and the Infinite Hope. Do I hear you ask if it's really worth the effort? After taking a deep sigh, I listen to the melody of Joni's song playing in my mind. Her words go on, just like time. It's life's illusion, I recall. I really don't know life at all. But after 22 years, I've acquired a few good survival skills, and writing this book is one of them. My aim is to help you take responsibility for your own fine art career. If we are to grow as artists, I believe we need to develop both sides of our brains. So I've provided a sample agreement with important points to consider when drafting legal documents. These are designed to promote goodwill between the creative mind and the business mind because both sides really do need each other. For more advice on self-promotion and resources valuable to artists, please check out part two. In one chapter, Collectors and the Unspoken Language of Art deals with one of our most important aspects of being a professional artist, finding the balance between pleasing the viewer and pleasing oneself. It's an ongoing challenge, but well worth trying. Experience has show me that pure creative expression is always fulfilling, especially when a bond develops between the artist, his or her work, the dealer, and the all-important art collector. Being an artist is a gift with a high spiritual calling, and society needs the uplift that beauty of fine art offers, especially since the tragedy of 9-11. Fine art works are compelling, and if a painting is done well enough, it satisfies the soul's longing to experience more than the mundane routine of daily life. For example, one collector friend described her love of Richard Schmidt's paintings this way, you help us to really see the beauty of an old tree log in the forest and even the most simple things of life. Paul Silverberg, the novelist and former editor of Art Talk, quoted me in an article he wrote on Art Hype for the April 2005 issue. It was a wonderful opportunity to share my opinion, and I live by what what he said, and I live by what I said. Beyond value, there is worth. We've always believed that fine, fine art possesses much more worth than its monetary value especially great art, because it has the power to inspire and uplift, and it's priceless. Great art is just like a majestic mountain or a stunning sunset that makes you grateful to be alive. You can't put a price tag on it.
0: That's great. Well, Kristen, you've certainly helped me find a foothold in this life, and you've added value beyond monetary. it as well thank you again her book is wisdom and the dreamer achieving fulfillment in the arts it is uplifting and filled with useful information that any artist will appreciate it's available at westwindfineart.com and there you will find paintings by many of the artists mentioned in this episode and other great books catalogs and instructional dvds also, you can stay up to date with Kristen and enjoy her storytelling anytime on her blog, mylifewiththemasters.wordpress.com. You can also find a link to it on westwindfinearts.com. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening, and if you have any questions for myself or any of my friends around Montana Gallery, Please email those questions to tyler.murphy at montanagallery.net. I'd love to create a few episodes in which artists like Daniel Keyes or Josh Clare or Ken Yaris respond directly to questions from those that follow their work. Perhaps we could even do a round two episode like that with Kristen. This way you'll get answers to questions that I haven't thought to ask them. If you have any questions for me or the gallery, I enjoy responding with my best, most helpful answers through emails or even over the phone. Until next time, thanks for listening.